How about a round of applause? There's no other king like him. Amen. Yeah, we're talking in these days about Zephaniah. And I've entitled this series called The Warrior King. Our God is a king. I, I tell you, I'm so thrilled about next weekend. But I, I got to get through this weekend first. Because next weekend, it's about that triumphant king that sings over us and the joy of the Lord. So please bring somebody with you. But today, let me tell you, today, as I started off last week, did the overview a lot of you had a lot of good feedback, and today we just continue that, and there's judgment, and there's some gloom, and it's impending, and it seems kind of rough, and you're like, uh-huh, and I brought a guest today, and why are you going to talk about that? Because I want to preach the full word of God, and God's people said, and you see, to really appreciate good news, you got to have crummy news, bad news, because see, when the bad news, like, ah, oh, it gets bad, but then God gives hope. God always gives hope. That's the story of the resurrection every day as believers. But turn to page 832 in your Bible, or thereabout. It, it could be close, okay? And somebody was like, I don't have a Bible, I have a phone. Well, turn, then you ought to bring your Bible. Matter of fact, I was visiting with Gloria this week, had a great visit with her. She came through surgery, doing really well. And she says, I still remember, she was, I remember that day you had everybody hold their Bibles up in church. And says, and David got so upset, this was her husband, and went to be with the Lord a while back. And I said, why? She goes, he didn't have his Bible. And he went home and says, I got to get my Bible, and I'm never going to that church again. I ain't got my Bible. And I said, man, praise the Lord. So this morning, if I did that, if you got mad and did the same thing, that'd be awesome. Okay, so Zephaniah, page 833 in my Bible, if that helps you. And uh, basically, go to Matthew, then take a left, and go Malachi, and then go back a few more books, and then you find Zephaniah. I just helped you, didn't I? Okay. All right, so we're talking about this warrior king in these days and about Jerusalem and Judea and, or Judah and just all the things that are going on. It's just, and he, last weekend we talked about the day of the Lord. It's an epic proportion, the doom and destruction and death. And, and it's kind of depressing. It is depressing. It's scary. It's the wrath of God is poured out. But it gets told by this little minor prophet. His name is Zephaniah. He is a contemporary of Jeremiah himself. And Jeremiah was an incredible prophet of God. Matter of fact, Jeremiah, sometimes we think we have a tough life. You think about Jeremiah, he preached 40 years without a convert. I'm thinking, man, I think I'm going to throw the towel in. At the same time, he was this real prophet of doom and of, of passion and power, but God used him in a phenomenal way. But then there's this dual fulfillment that rose out in Zephaniah that the southern kingdom, the, when I say southern kingdom, who am I talking about? Judah. Northern kingdom is Israel, the southern kingdom is Judah, and the southern kingdom falls around 586 B.C., and then it would perpetuate, it would go all the way forward to the second coming of Christ is what he is really pointing to as we finish out Zephaniah. But he was preaching during the reign of a little eight-year-old, and about 16, he really came into the fullness, and the little king's name, he was eight years old. What was his name? Josiah. Josiah, great king. He recovered the law of God. He tore down the, the false gods and the bells and all the, the false worship, and he tore that down that they could worship the true God. And he was just a, because the community, the society had been so entrenched with idolatry. And so they had this mixed religion. They would say, We worship the true God, but then we have all these other little gods. And God doesn't share his glory, as I told you last weekend, I've told you before, with anyone. And so Zephaniah has to come against this scene. And, and we hear the word of idolatry, but i got to tell you, folks, idolatry is for us in 2019, just as much as it was in 586 or whatever. How many believe that idolatry is a real issue for people today? 
It is a real, matter of fact, it might be a bigger issue for us Westerners called Americans that live here because of all the luxuries and all the things we have, and we certainly enjoy those, but we have to be careful that they don't take preeminence, prominence over the Savior and the church said. Because God didn't want us just to tip our hat to Him or tip our hat to Jesus, but really worship somebody else other than Him. He is to be worshipped, and we'll see that today. Uh, I, I was, as I was going through this, it's talking about like we can treat Jesus as one option among many. Let me just say this. Jesus Christ is not the buffet table. You go up and you just take a little bit of Jesus and, and whatever else you want. You take all of Jesus. He, he gave all of himself for us, and we give all of ourselves back to him. Jesus is Lord. It's not Baal. It's not Michael. It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not Baha'u'llah. But it is Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And the church said, Amen. Y'all sound good. And here's the thing. Today, this has always been passionate for preachers that Jesus is Lord. And that's what God calls us to. But I never thought that I would live in my short-lived life. And you're going, well, you're not so short-lived. Okay. That we would have such controversy of people not saying Jesus is Lord or there's many ways. No, Jesus says clearly I am the way. I am the only way to the Father. Nobody comes except by me. Because none of these little gods that I mentioned... And when I say gods, I, I say it with, uh, with no honor, little g. None of them died. None of them conquered death. None of them no resurrection. Man, they were just, you know, gods in their own mind or these people that were confused. But here it is. Turn there, Zephaniah chapter 2. Look with me. He starts out. Gather together, gather together, O shameful nation. Now, already you're like, well, that's not a very exhorting word to the people he already calls them shameful despised he he speaks down to them he says before the decree takes effect before the day passes like chaff before there comes upon you the burning anger of the lord before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the lord seek the lord with all you the humble of the land who does his just command seek righteousness seek humility perhaps you will be hidden on the day of anger of the lord so here it is get ready to fill it in first point there's a call to gather. Zephaniah is calling the people to assemble, to come together. The New Testament writers would say, do not forsake the assembling that some are in the habit of doing. That's what you did this morning. You made your way over to Ryan Road. You drove over here. People are going all across our city, our state, our nation, our world. They're going to places of worship. They're, they're gathering. And we gather. And here's the thing. You're gonna, I'm going to say this several times a day, but this message in chapter 2 is a, a big theological, it's a biblical word, it's repentance. He says repent before it's too late, before time runs out, before there's not a chance to do it again. So he's telling the people to turn, but then he says this gathering. Gathering simply infers to you and me, we need to gather. We need each other. That's why we have small groups. We finish up our semester uh, next Wednesday night. It's, it's a sad time. It's a joyful time because it kind of brings to completion something we've done. And then some heavy end-of-the-year school things hit and summer and vacations and all this. But then just it's a break and then we'll get back together and we'll start coming back together again. But we'll always be meeting on Sundays and celebrating and you can meet during the week whenever you want to. We want you to do that. But we need the fellowship of one another. How many believe you need fellowship? If you're trying to grow in Christ on your own, you have deceived yourself. So right there, I just see you're saying, man, you're getting hung up about verse 1. Gather together. 
And he tells them to gather, but he's also like, man, but hey, you're shameful. You're, you don't have it. Because he's telling them judgment's coming. So Zephaniah is a prophet. So he's going to declare the truth of God. He's probably not going to be the most well-liked guy, but he wants to tell the truth. Judgment is pronounced. But the, the thought that I see as I've read and studied and read and prayed and prayed and studied and read is the invitation is to you and me. He's talking to Judah. We'll see in a few more verses he's talking to the nations. But he's talking to us this morning. He's telling us to repent, turn, go a different direction you were going because the direction you're going is destruction. The, the direction you're going is not right. The direction you're going, I uh, have predicted, it, it's wrong. I want you to repent before it's too late. And then he goes on here uh, about, we, we know from the, uh, the book of Jonah, we know about Nineveh. And, and you know, so when we look at that, according to that, the least to the greatest, they, they repented in sackcloth and ashes. And, and the Lord, because they were willing, and Jonah's, oh, I don't want them to repent. I don't like them. The Lord, don't save them. How many believe it is God's will that all should come to eternal life, not perish in Jesus Christ? God died for sinners like me and you. God doesn't want us to be annihilated, to have no eternity with him, to be separated forever and ever. That's why he sent Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. The, the gospel is hope-filled. It's good news. But let's keep moving here. So he says, do all this before the day of the Lord, before that, that period of time. Do this before it's too late. I want you to repent. I want you to turn. But God has shown mercy. Man, God's been merciful to me and you, hasn't he? He's been merciful to our nation. He's been merciful to the, the people of God. He's been merciful to his world. And Judah, if you know anything about the history here, they had enjoyed some prosperity. They had enjoyed some peace up to this time. But in Zephaniah 2.2, look there. Before the appointed time arrives and that day sweeps on like chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day's Lord's wrath comes upon you, it's like, man, here, here it is. It's It's judgment. It, 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 everything's about to come to an end. He, he's making it really rough here. And he's telling the nations, you can't stand. You won't stand without me. Oh, you'll try, but you'll be miserable in your I experience of doing that. But look what he says. Look, look at verse 3. Verses j just 3. I want you to start with the word seek, and I want you to end the word, the word anger, and I want you to draw a box around it. See, this is what I miss about the modern church. After walking with Christ for a number of years and pastoring for a long time, this is what I miss about almost everybody bringing these in. This is called the Bible. It's called in a written form. It has pages that blow. Yeah, I know. I, I remember when we moved in this center, we were, we were the first high-tech church in our community. We really were. We had these rear screen projection units. We went from transparencies at AUM to Rear screen projection, and that was that. Was, but you gotta remember, that was 20 years ago last month. We moved in this facility, and I still remember we came in. I was, and we only had these two screens, we didn't have the middle screen, but that was still so cool. And the place would pack out, and people would love it. And they would look, and a guy walked up to me one day, I never will forget this. He goes, You know, you're pretty excited about all these lights and bells and whistles, and you're excited about the spirit of God. I said, Amen. He said, But let me tell you one thing. There could be a day when all these screens, and it's funny that I'm saying this today because did you notice what happened? That's demonic. That's all I'm telling you. That's supposed to be working in Jesus' name. And if it came on, I would like to leave right now. All right. But they went out. But praise be to God, the middle screen's still working, isn't it? But this guy told me one day, he says, you know what's going to happen? He says, there's going to come a day, I'm afraid, that people are going to put these down. 
they're going to quit bringing them to church. They're going to quit writing in their Bibles. And they're going to come in and they're just going to look at the screens. And if you've noticed something, I figured out something for that 20 years ago. I don't give you all the scriptures on the screens on purpose. Got you. <laughs> Bring your Bible. See, I, I study so much and I got so much of the Word. I could give you the Word and I could give you a bunch of screens and I cannot give you screens. And, and, and my friend Drew, he really likes it when I don't give it to you. Because he ain't got to type 4,000 screens, okay? So anyway, all I'm trying to tell you is bring your Bible, okay? And somebody says, I got it on my phone. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I know you can have it on your phone, but there's a thing called text and email, and they interfere with the Word of God, okay? All right, so now you know how I feel. Okay, all right. So he says, gather. You know, I, I, I got to move this. I was thinking about gathering the other day. I get excited about gathering I went to the National Day of Prayer this week and gathered with Christians all across our community. And there were 30,000 events, I'm told, across America as we gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. So gathering. But look here at verse 3 because this really gets important. He begins to tell us what we need to do. We need to, look here, A, gather yourselves. B, do it before the day of the Lord. Look at point C. I want you to fill it in. Seek the Lord. You may be hidden in that day. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Fill those words in. Seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. This is so critical. God wants us for this, to do this. In Proverbs, the 28th chapter, the 5th verse, the Word of God says, Evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Did you hear the first song that Rachel led on this morning? It was called Close, Closer. And did you, hear, did you see the line there about seek that's what we're trying to get in our spirits this morning. Am I a seeker of Jesus Christ? Am I seeking the Lord? Am I pursuing the Lord? And here's what I just say. There's no shame in people that seek after our God to be delivered, to, that, that realize the urgency is for now to repent. You know, you know why there's always an urgency now to repent? Because we don't know what tomorrow beholds. We don't know if we have a tomorrow. We don't know if our hearts even, even say we live. We don't know if we get so crusty and hardened. We wouldn't repent because there's no desire. So my prayer is, God, create in me desire, create in the people of God desire to walk with you humbly and to walk in fear and to love you and to seek you and to seek your righteousness. Let me, let me if, if you're taking notes and you want to write about righteousness, what does righteousness mean? It means to do what is right, only he is righteous. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. We seek after him, not after society's thoughts, not what is popular opinion, but what God's word says. We want to do what the Bible says. That's why I have to preach a book like this, because this little prophet that got forgotten about, honestly, in my ministry, definitely in the ministry of almost everybody I talk to, we don't talk about Zephaniah, but he's in here for a reason, because God, as I've been studying this, and sometimes I'm like, God, I do not want to preach that this weekend. I, I need a more positive word. And you know what God did? He just kept saying, I got a word. It's repentance. It's repent. It's for you. It's for the church. And the church said, this is the word you don't hear in a lot of congregations anymore, because it doesn't seem to be as popular. I decided a long time ago I would be better to be biblical and not popular to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you to, because you see, your blood is on my hands. I will be accountable for what I've done with you. And you're like, help him, Jesus. And help you, Jesus. 
That's right, man. We, we, need, we need to do it together. We need to strive. Here, righteousness. We strive to do what is right and noble and holy with the character of Christ. We do it in a humble way. Zephaniah summarizes the hope of the righteous. Their sins are forgiven. They're delivered from divine judgment. They eventually will be rescued from the hand of their oppressors. They have hope, as we see next weekend, in their future blessings. Oh, man, the Lord loves the righteous. Like, here it is. We, we want to be true to the Lord. Like, here's the best illustration I know. If you're married, you want to be true to your marriage partner, do you not? Oh, wait a minute. Don't say, uh, I'm thinking about it. Do you want to be true to your partner? Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that honors God. That honors him. Well, as Christians, as Christ followers, we want to be true to the Lord and to his ways. We don't want to commit spiritual adultery. God, we want to be faithful to you. So I think that's one of the things I've seen in Zephaniah. It's all about repent, but he's telling them to be humble, to, to seek after the Lord. To, and, and the Lord says, I am meek, I am lowly of heart, I am for you, I am in control. And I'll give you another verse as I was, I was thinking about this, about humility, because he says seek humility. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Now, this is a verse that's pretty popular. This is a good refrigerator verse. This is a good screensaver verse. This is a good verse to, to meditate, to pray, to practice. Listen to it. He has shown you, O, o mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants for you and me this morning. He wants us to walk in humility before Him and to walk humble before one another. And God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And we can see verse after verse about the humility of Christ. And Christ considered being a servant, not one to master over people, although He was master I'm reminded, though, him that I've been away from almost a quarter of a century since I started a contemporary church. But we, we do sing some hymns, not often. We have little seasons, especially when they got updated a little bit and the, they didn't drag. You think they drag here, you ought to go to England. Man, they'll just make you say, Lord, help us. Because, I mean, they, they, I know when I've preached over there, they, they really drug. But listen to this. Some of you know it. I'm, I'm going to quote part of it. Have thine away, Lord. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mow me and make me while I am waiting. Did you notice that? There were a few people right here knew it, and the rest, they like, where did they get that book at? I ain't never read that one. I still remember our drummer used to be back here one day, and he heard these things, and he goes, oh, my goodness. The theology in that hymn today is rich. He goes, I love singing those hymnals. I love those hymnals. I want to sing more hymnals. I said, Cliff, oh, I said his name, that's okay. I said, Cliff, you're singing hymnals? He goes, yeah, we didn't have these growing up in my church. I love singing those hymnals. I said, first of all, if we're going, and he was very educated. I said, first of all, we got to talk about this. It's not called a hymnal. That is the book collected called a hymnal. You are singing a hymn. So when you say it, I like singing those hymns. He goes, got it now. Are we singing any of those hymnals next weekend? Okay, yeah, you get it, okay. So anyway, so, you know, sometimes you, you go to a funeral service and they tell you to reach in there and grab the book out. And it's always funny to me because I've been doing this for so long now with screens and stuff. I was in an event the other day and, uh, and, and they had us uh, pull out a hymnal. And it just, it, that just feels awkward to me. How many of you are glad that we got free of hymnals and we got screens? Anybody happy? 
Okay, a few of you are sad. That's okay. All right. So, listen to what he goes on there. Search me and try me, Master, today, whiter than snow, Lord. Wash me just now. As in thy presence, I humbly bow. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold over my being absolute sway. It's just a rich humble that God wants to have his way in the hearts of the humble, seeking the Lord. See, we, we've got a choice here. We either seek, listen, write this down. We either seek the Lord or we hide. You, you, you like that game, hide, hide and seek? Oh man, kids love it. Well, when we hide and seek, we either seek God with all our heart, we pursue him. Or we try to hide, but we can't hide all things that are laid bare before him that knows all things. But Lord, help us to seek you this morning. We know that judgment is coming. We know that there is a cost to unrepentance. When we're not willing to repent, we, we suffer. We suffer judgment. We suffer, uh, we forfeit the grace, the riches of Christ. We, we get into trouble. Move on to the second one. So we get this call together. Look at point two. Condemnation of the Philistines. Now, if, if you'll look down here. In, in this particular uh, section here, you, you see, he's, so look at verse 4. This is about the Philistines. Gaza will be abandoned, and Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied, and Ekron uprooted. Woe, every time you see woe, we'll come back to that. You'll see how important that is. Woe to you who live by the sea, O Ketherite people. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. I will destroy you, and none will be left. Man, there's annihilation. This is not good. Verse 6. The land by the sea and where the Kithrites dwell will be a place for shepherds and sheep pens. It will be, belong to the remnant of the house of Judah. God has always had a remnant, okay? And they will, they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them, and he will restore their fortunes. And as you begin to see this, this whole section, verses 4 through 15, you see it's not just on Judah now. It's to the north, to the south, to the west, to the east. You begin to see the destruction of the nations. And he begins to prophesy that over them, that judgment is coming. The four nations here, they represent a compass, if you will. That God's just trying to say this is a, a, a more inclusive thing. This is going to uh, go out after the people, and I'm going to destroy those sections and there will be no inhabitant in the land i mean it is it is a judgment and and judgments are to to get our attention um you got the whole gaza strip there if you take a map of israel and you begin to look at the west bank you begin to see the mediterranean coast and you and, he, and, and all the places that surround israel and, and israel is god's special place how many believe that we should pray for the peace of jerusalem we, we all should. The Bible tells us, he commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's why I'm so thankful that, and I don't want to be political. Don't, don't send me, I'm, I'm, I'm not being political. I decided a long time ago, I'm not going to be political. I'm going to preach Jesus, okay? But I just want to tell you, I am glad that as a nation we do support Israel. And the church said, you, you, you don't want to get on, a, on the opposite side of God, okay? I mean, that's just, that's just dumb, okay? So, and, and you get all this going on here and all these promises and God promises at the border. And here's what God promises. Now, it's unfulfilled, but it will. How many believe all God's promises are yes and amen in Christ and God will fulfill every promise that he has? He will. And God promises the borders of Israel to extend to the Euphrates River. And imagine Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Syria of thinking of that proposition. They're like, I don't think so. But God promises to give it all there just like he promised to abraham and god will fulfill his word in his time how many believe that but god's trying to speak to us right now in 2019 of saying 
One of the big truths I want you to walk away with today out of Christ's community is walk humbly with me. Seek me. Repent while there's time. Uh, Babylon, Bab, the Babylonians, they, they invade here and, 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 and there's destruction and then you, you see all this and, and then there's all these uh, times of, of, of arrogance. Matter of fact, look at uh, number three. Captives are being restored here in verse 6 and 7 that I read about. Verse number 4, fill it in. The consequences of pride. This is essential that we see these uh, consequences of pride. It's just, it gets us in trouble. And we can be practical here for a moment. Relationally, when pride enters in, God departs. God is silent. Our flesh gets elevated over the spirit of the living Christ. And uh, uh, one of the verses here is Proverbs 16, 18. But what I want to say to us is there, there is judgment. I need to back up because I forgot to give you a verse out of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, and he will. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those that are waiting for him. How many of you are waiting for Jesus to come again the second time? Yeah. He will appear in all of his glory for those that repent. And I, I got a little bit ahead of myself. There's, there's so much here to unpack, but I, I want to say a thing here about appearing and about uh, facing judgment. This is critical. Write down over in your margin, you can write this down, write Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 down. And the revelator says, And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and they were no place for them. Unbelievers are judged at the great white throne judgment. I mean, it's just, it's biblical. It's just what God says. We will be judged. We live. We die. We face judgment. Nobody escapes judgment. Your mama can't face your judgment for you. Your friend, your pastor, your, your coach, who, whoever it is, they cannot. We have to face it for ourselves. But then, for those in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, write it down, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. What that is, it is the Bema seat for believers. And we appear there in Christ, holy, righteous, secure in the blood of Jesus. Is that good news? That is awesome news. But we still, we're held accountable for how we live our lives. It matters to God. That's one of the great things about our God. He gives us the law. He gives us Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit because God wants us to live uprightly. He wants us to live holy lives for Him. And He raises up. So there it is. The captives are restored. And there's consequences of the pride. I, I just want you to see there here because when He goes over to that pride, they now can switch gears. He begins to switch gears a little bit here after this desolation, after this, this ruin. And he, he begins to talk. Let's just look here in verse 8. I've heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place with weeds and salt pits and a wasteland forever. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nations will inherit their land. This is what they will get in return for their pride. Circle it there. That's what they get. For insulting and mocking the people of the Lord Almighty. The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the land. Notice God's little g. 
The nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in its own land. I love this. God begins to speak to us here. Isaiah, Jeremiah, other prophets, they speak to us about our pride and about how it's an abomination, how it's sinful, how it's, it, God doesn't look at it. I mean, he's like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. I'm going to judge that. So, I mean, I, want you to, I don't want you to walk here defeated today. I want you to walk out here going, I am grateful for the mercy in the love of Christ, for the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that God wants to lead me in a path, in a way that honors Him. But Proverbs 16, 18, look, here's the verse. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God, we don't want to fall. We want to be secure in You. Help us not misstep. Help us not stumble. Help us to walk faithfully in You. The fifth point, continual worship that we just read about of God, of the Almighty. They worship Him. Awesome is Him. Awesome is He. He is above all gods. He reduces all other gods before Him. God, listen, listen to this truth. God will obliterate all little G gods that stand in this world today because He will be worshipped now and for all eternity. How many of you are thrilled about that truth this morning? That's called heaven. We worship the Lamb of glory, the one that's died for us, the one that is worthy, the one that is steadfast, the one that has overcome, the one that is a conqueror. And then you get into the whole millennial thousand-year reign of Christ when we come back with Him and we rule. And I go, oh God, this is great. Revelation 24, let me keep moving. Oh, because we're going to have communion today. i got to get there. Okay, Revelation 24. I saw the thrones in which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the Word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image, had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. I believe that's for us, for the church, for the body of Christ. Philippians 3.21 who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we may be like his glorious body. Oh God, this is, this is too much, Lord. We're, we're going to worship you. And then move there at verse 12 through 15. Consternation that will come. Consternation, the feeling of anxiety, dismay, hindering, uh, distress, disquiet. It's just, no, it, it's going to come. God will judge us. God will judge the nations. He will judge those that presume to be God. In, in one verse here, they act like they go, I, I, I am, he-. matter of fact, let me move you down there. Look at verse 15. Look there quickly. Chapter 2, verse 15. This is their carefree city. They, they lived in safety. She said to herself, I am, and there is none besides me. She's talking about Nineveh here. What a ruin she has become, a lair for wild beasts, all who pass by her scoff and shake their fists. If you go to Nineveh today, it's an archaeological excavation area. That's all it is, is God promised. It has been judged. It has been ruined. And God will lay us before him. We will collapse and fall in our pride. We will fall short before the Lord God Almighty. But thanks be to God who is our victory, that the Messiah in Luke 24, 46, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day that we celebrated a couple weeks ago, Acts 20, 21. I have declared to both the Jews and the Greeks they must turn to God in repentance and then have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Old Testament prophet, but it's so true in New Testament theology, God is saying, repent, 
repentance. Tomorrow night, when Polly and, and this other guy, his name's escaped me, the, the minister, his wife was killed there in Charleston. He will talk about forgiveness. He'll talk about turning repentance. It, it, it'll be powerful. And there's these woes and there's judgment. And with privilege comes responsibility. And as the children of God, as those that have placed their faith in Christ, we have great privilege. We have citizenship in heaven. But we are heirs of great responsibility to tell others, to listen to his voice. When, when you see the word woe, I want to tell you this real quick, and I'm going to invite uh, the team to come. When you, when you see woe, you want to, like, whoa, woe, slow down, ponder. Anytime you see the word, the word woe in Scripture, pause, stop, take a breath, take a rest. There's a message of judgment that's coming. It's impending. It, it's for us to think about what he is saying. It's critical that we see that as believers. Also, when I see the word woe, it's an opportunity for you and I to do personal inventory. God, is there something separating, blocking my relationship with you? If it is, I want to stop and I want you to do business with me, Lord. Because as you look here, you just, I'm going to move here quickly. They're getting ready. Chapter 3. Woe. There it is. Woe. Verse 1. To the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. May it not be said of you and me that we would receive the correction of the Lord. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves when nothing for the morning. Her prophets are arrogant. They're treacherous men. Her priests profane in the sanctuary. I think they talk about judges and politicians, and now they're talking about priests and preachers, and they're full of compromise. Her priests profane the sanctuary. They do violence in the law. The Lord is within her as righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning, he dispenses his justice, and every new day he does not fail. Yet the unrighteous know no shame. Let me, let me just end there this morning. The unrighteous know no shame. This is the prophetic word. There's a scripture that says they blush no more. They've lost their ability to blush. And I'm afraid that we live in a day in 2019 that we're losing our ability to not be shamed by sinful behavior. We see it propagated in social media, in the movies, in television, in, in just all different forms of art. And people have lost, a lot of people have lost a zeal for the Lord or regard for the religious, for the holy things of God. When I'm studying Zephaniah, I'm going, God, this is a word for me in the church in 2019 for us to return to holiness, to turn back to you. We're all affected by this. We live in a very broken world. But I'm grateful for a God that rescues the broken like you and me. And this morning... We come to the table of grace. And the table is for broken people like you and me. People that need to run to the mercy seat of grace. They need to run to have their sins forgiven. They need to run to ask God to cleanse their hearts. We need to run that we can see what the Lord has for us. We need to walk away saying, I want to seek you now, Lord. I don't want to go my way. My way is not doing too well. But I want to pursue your path, your righteousness. 
This is the table this morning for believers in Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you confess your faith in Jesus Christ, would you take a piece of the bread, which is the body, symbolic of the body of Christ, and dip it into the cup, which is symbolic of the blood of Christ, and receive this holy sacrament unto Jesus Christ. But, listen, listen, but be repentant before you take this body. And say, Lord, by your grace, I want to walk out of here different than I came in. I want to walk out of here with a new heart for Christ. God, I had no idea that pastor could say anything to me today that would make any sense or help. But yet I see that Zephaniah is more contemporary than today's text or today's newspaper. Zephaniah is for the people of God that have ears to listen. May we heed the warning of the Lord and repent. Let's pray. God, thank you for these elements. Bless my friends that come to the table because Jesus invites us to come as we are. Make us new today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.